Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry? Then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA Podcast. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here with the recently blocked by Diego Sanchez, Trey Van Buskirk. What's up, dude? Didn't see it coming. That's school of self-awareness right there. He knew that I was coming at him hard, and he said, I need positivity in my life, and he got me out of there. Coming at Super. you hard. Life comes at you hard and fast, man. <laughs> and, and Diego said, yeah. And you're done. Didn't even see it coming. Didn't even see it coming. Uh, Speaking of things that we didn't see coming, Paulo Costa put on the worst performance in recent memory. So let's talk about that real quick. But before we get into that, so we do want to talk about Costa. We do want to talk about Jan Blachowicz displaying the uh, the Polish power. We do want to talk about the me versus you rivalry that's currently going on. But before we all we do any of that, Mm -hmm. do want to advise people that stay classy meets is the best meat on the planet earth. And you can get it delivered directly to your door by using promo code fist. It'll save you 10% on the entire order. Uh, Trey, I went ahead and placed an order for a box today. So, you know, I got parent, I got my parents coming to visit. Well, my dad, anyway, he's coming down to visit here shortly. First time I've seen him since the whole COVID thing came out and, you know, I figure I might as well treat my, my man to the best meat on the planet earth. So stay classy. He's hooking it up for me. So I'm pretty excited about it. What do they what do they say? It's when preparation meets opportunity. You have prepared yourself for an mm. opportunity of great meat, is what mm. you've done. Correct. Correct. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. And there's other things you can do to prepare to meet great opportunity. And that is to clothe your guys' self in the best garments out there. Dale, I gotta tell you something. I I went away from Allegiance for a quick second. I bought a five-pack of Amazon basic t-shirts. And Ooh. if you're familiar with those things. It's just basic white tees. You get them for 20 bucks. You get a pack of five. What could go wrong, right? A lot, actually. A lot. A lot. One wash, and those things would only fit SpongeBob SquarePants. It looked like a fucking rectangle, dude. I couldn't, I, just, I couldn't wear it. I couldn't wear it. Right. Which is which is crazy for a guy like you because you got that V taper. You're 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 tapered out. Thank you. Yeah. And there's only thing that one thing you can do with a tapered body like this is you got to clothe it with a butter blend material, spend a little bit more, but oh wait. You're not going to spend a little bit more because I'm going to give you a code. And that code is punch at allegianceclothing.com. And that is going to get you 15% off site wide on the sickest threads. Guys, punch allegianceclothing.com, 15% off. 
Outstanding. All right, so let's 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 recap. You know, a couple things real quick. I realize that I wring my hands and I can hear it on the mic whenever we record. So I'm I'm gonna be like Ricky Bobby this episode. I'm not really sure what to do with my hands. Um, so th- there is a little bit of that. However, okay. let's let's talk a little bit about what happened last weekend. Adesanya versus Costa. Do we want to talk about the the fight itself? Do we want to talk about the dry hump? What 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 about what's your takeaway for this fight, Trey? What did we see in Adesanya versus Costa? Dude, why do you start with the dry hump? Tight submissions, freaking the dry hump. I want to know from a disrespect level, how how far beyond does that go? See, here's the thing, though, right? Is I think it's one. I think it's I think it's it, it's actually pretty disrespectful. But as a guy that used to teabag people when I played Halo as a kid. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was the king of the tea bag. You know, I was probably I was essentially the Boston Tea Party of the tea bag. I was the yeah. forefather of the tea bag. So when I see something like that, I get nostalgic. I don't get upset. I get nostalgic. If anything, it arouses my patriotic virility when I see somebody that's willing to put yeah. you know put forth nuts to body and get that sure. get that going. So I'm not mad at it at all, you, to be honest you, with you. You peacocked. That's what you did. You peacocked. Yeah. Put your chest out and you said, dude, I'm the man. And that's what exactly what Izzy did. And to be honest, for a guy that was acting like such a jackass in the fight, like mm. Paulo Costa was, mm. asking to dance in the middle, sticking your tongue out like you're Yoel Romero, give me a break, dude. You have to advance. You have to clip him. You have to do something to show progression to begin the taunting. And he just came out looking like a jackass. He looked like a Brazilian meathead. Mm-hmm. Stay classy meats. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he, he did look ridiculous in doing so. And, you know, it's one of those things where you get what you deserve, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't like the, that kind of phrasing, you know what I mean? So you get what you deserve. But Costa really just did not implement any sort of game plan. I don't understand. And here's the thing, right, is a lot of people give Eric Albarassi and a lot of heat because he wears goofy glasses. Yeah. But if you look at the stable of fighters that Albarassian has between the – uh, you know, the, the Pitbull brothers to Henry Cejudo to guys like Paula Costa, he has a stable of champions. It's not something that they're not accustomed to. Is it, it wasn't the moment should not have been too big for him. I can't imagine that the game plan was to go out there and get the shit kicked out of your legs for 15 minutes and then try to start fighting. What do you think is going to happen? Like, you've got to get close, well, you have to throw a punch. You have to throw a punch, or if you're a weigh-in's going to taunt that you have a black belt and that he's not even a white belt, that he doesn't even know how to shrimp, and you don't implement any formation of clinch work to make it a little bit of dirty boxing, push it up against the cage, make it a little bit not within technical striking, which is the only thing that Izzy really knows how to do and do it well beyond everyone else's measure. To not implement that game plan was might as well just said, you know what, this is stupid. I'm looking for a quick payday, and I want to get back on the on the flight. Yeah, let's talk about the let's talk about the punch that put him down. Do you feel? I mean, he clipped him. It was sort of like behind the eyebrow, between the eyebrow and the ear, kind of on the temple. We've seen him take cleaner shots. I mean, I mean, Yoel Romero almost kicked his head off of his shoulders, and he walked right through it. Um, you know, do, do, is that something that we need to pay attention to? He didn't throw the fight. I don't want to say he threw the fight, but that was a weird punch to go down to, don't you think? It is, but I think uh, the damage that Izzy put on that uh, outward left shin, I think, put something into his mind like, oh, my gosh. I remember watching that and thinking in my mind, oh, my God, we're only halfway through the first round. 
Yeah. There's four and a half more rounds to go. And do you think that leg's going to withstand that much more punishment? Absolutely not. Have we seen Costa fight Southpaw? No, we haven't seen that dynamic look that is Paulo Costa. So I think mentally he was a little bit checked out. I think that a clip above the eye was just kind of a like, okay, maybe I can bring this thing down on the ground. But you saw Izzy jump on top and there was no way for him to create some spatial distance, uh, try and shrimp out, utilize any jiu-jitsu. He just kind of set up, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, I think you're absolutely right. All right. Let's talk about the light heavyweight uh, for the first time since what, 2011. We have a, a light heavyweight champ that is not John Jones or Daniel Cormier. And it is the one and only the Polish power himself, Jan Blahovitz. Dude, I can't. I'm, I'm going to interject here real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I want to know. I might start crying. Go ahead. I know. For those that listened to the last episode, I've got to give you props where props are due. I've got to do it. I know. Record this moment because it's few and far between. But I have to say, you called that picture perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, very rarely, and I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second, very rarely do I get these moments of clarity where I, I feel like I can sort of see how a fight's going to play out. That was one that I sort of um, had a really good sneaky suspicion on how I, I thought that was that fight was going to play out. And I'm glad that it went the way that it did, man. Um mm -hmm. You know, I think it's great to see a guy like Jan win a win a light heavyweight title. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to have confidence to be a champion. But Dominic Reyes has been walking around calling himself light heavyweight champ since the John Jones thing, and it almost like a Joseph Benavidez style situation where it almost like like he felt like it was due to him, right? Like I just I need it, like it's my time. I'm gonna get it now. And the problem is when you think about that, you usually end up going against a guy who doesn't give a shit what you think and has his own objectives and his own dreams in mind. And he does not care about what you think you're entitled to. He's coming to take everything you worked for. And Jan Blachowicz is that man. He is a Polish destroyer. Um, and two seconds into that fight, whenever Dom Reyes showed his hand that his, his idea was to sort of blitz into the counter-striking of a, a known beautiful counter-striker and Jan Blachowicz, I was like, it's a matter of time. And then the body kick started, and I was like, oh, baby, let's yeah. get it. So, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, even just outside the cage, what, he had his three brothers in the corner for the first time. This is a title fight. You need to be as professional, as businesslike as possible to involve family, that emotional appeal that's in there. I didn't think that was smart. Dude, right before the fight, I had this inkling. I had this sensation that, oh, God, I got to change my bet. This is fucked up. Like, I've mm -hmm. got to hedge the shit out of this thing. Because when I saw Dom Reyes walk into that cage, he looked like a little scared, Gumby-like young boy in comparison to Jan Blahovitz, who moved forward, had a laser in his right hand, and was just constantly pushing the pace. I didn't see any area that Dom Reyes says, I should have let it fly. I should have let the hands go a little bit. You didn't have an opportunity to at yeah. all. Yeah, it just it was poor execution. Um, you know, that's here's the thing, right? Is is one of those things where like I said, Reyes just was putting off this air of invincibility. Like it was just destiny that was going to happen. And anytime a fighter starts talking about destiny or, you know, that it's meant to be or whatever the case is, it immediately turns me off to it, you know, Absolutely. and every interview that he was giving was making me feel more and more like not necessarily that he wasn't taking Blahovitz seriously, but that he just thought that there was nothing that Jan was going to bring to the table that he couldn't handle. And when you have something like that, um, you know, you approach a fight differently. Like you bring your three brothers into your corner as opposed to your professional coaches. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely not. All right, let's get into this, man. We do have a card. This card was, you know, initially slated for a Vegas Apex thing, and then uh, the main event, one half of the main event, got COVID, so they just shifted the entire card. They shifted the entire card to a later date. So here we are now, Fight Island, Holly Holm taking on Irene Aldana, not Irene, Irene Aldana, uh, in a main event that probably in any other circumstance I would say would result in a title shot for the winner, but I don't think Holly Holm's going to get a title shot after she beats Aldana on yeah. Saturday night. So, um, but if Aldana wins, I think that she might get a title fight, but it's only going to be a one way. It's, it's a one way street for sure, but let's get into this card. Um, we did have a couple suggestions about how we format the show. Maybe we'll do that later on, but we are going to keep things pretty traditional for the time being. So let's get with the fight that's going to kick off the main card here. Uh, Daquan Townsend taking on, bro, do you want to try to say my man's first name here? Dusko, man. Dusko, we're going to go with Dusko Todorovic. All right, Townsend at a plus 265, Todorovic at a minus 310. Over under on rounds is at one and a half. Townsend coming off three straight L's. Four means a pink slip. It's got to be. Even in a shallow light heavyweight division, four has got to be the pink slip. Do we think Townsend gets it done at plus 265, yay or nay? Man, Daquan Townsend is the quintessential journeyman, dude. Mm. He's not a gatekeeper. Gatekeeper, I feel like, is reserved for those that have actually done impactful things inside the octagon. This guy is not one that's done that. Dusko, this is interesting, dude. I didn't know this until I started to watch some of his fights. If you go back, go back to SBC 19, where my man Dusko fought Michelle Pereira. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for, murdered I'm, him. Murdered him. It was murderous, yes. That is correct. The, He's, he dominated Teddy Ash in his Dana White Contender Series debut. That's where he finally got his notoriety. But here he is now. He's got the bright lights on him. This is a big deal. Townsend is like a pawn in the game of chess. This guy is, is expendable. He's out there. He's a placeholder. But this is this is game over. Dusko's got a little bit more in his tool belt. He's much more well-rounded. He's much more athletic. And he's got some power in his fist. You're putting Michelle Pereira down into a field position in the corner. You've definitely got some power in those fists. I like Dusko 1,000% in this fight, but I don't think the odds are going to be in favor of those that are putting cash on this. Okay, what about the over-under on at one and a half? Ooh, that's juicy. That's juicy. So just as a little keen insight here, um, most of the fights on this card, with the exception of four, four fights only, are not slated to go the distance from an odds perspective, and this wow. is one of the four. Now, okay. uh, we did a little Instagram live stream while I was setting up earlier and, you know, share some information there. Fights at Fight Island are finishing at a 60% clip since Fight Island has started. So we've got 11 fights on the card, right? We've got 11 fights on the card. Yeah. Fights are finishing at 60% of the time. And four fights on this card are scheduled to uh, with the over under hitting not hinting not towards a finish. So it's literally like right at you know close to 60 percent on what vegas thinks is going to happen again however they've got it flip-flopped so i think that you can take some chances on some inside the distance plays here now obviously two light heavyweights inside the distance with a pension for finishing fights i don't think that an inside the distance play is necessarily worthwhile here however under one and a half is something that definitely entices me with this fight because I think Townsend is going to take an L here. I do think Todorovic is going to get a win, but 
I'm not going to put Todorovic uh, on anything remotely similar to an outright bet or a parlay because of the fact that they're 205ers and Townsend will stand and bang in this fight. It's fair. So. That's super fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's keep things moving right along. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got to clear my throat on a microphone. Unbelievable. I'm breaking all the rules here. Kyler Phillips, uh, the second biggest favorite of the night, taking on Elsie at plus 325. Here's the thing. Here's the story, uh, and I'm going to say this a hundred times over, right? Uh, with Cam- with guys like Cameron Elsie here, Cameron Elsie's ten and four. Kyler Phillips is seven and one. But here's the thing about this card tray: is it is so chalk. It's an unbelievably chalky card. It really is. It's hard for me to sit here and get really fired up. You know me. Uh, you know I'll get I'll get hyped up on a plus three twenty five, a plus four hundred, a plus eight hundred when the time fits. But here's the thing: this card is comprised of guys that do not guys and girls that do not fight often, and heavy favorites, heavy underdogs. I am realistically super terrified to not just go heavy chalk on this entire card. Yeah, yeah, no, I I understand that. I'm totally not going to do. I'm going to do opposite of you. I have my picks. I'm locked. I'm loaded. I'm ready to go. My question first off, Kyler Phillips. This is a prelim fight. This is not a main card fight. Uh, according to the fight order I have, it really? is a main card fight. Yeah. Wow. Do you, should we? You want me to verify real quick? Well, I'd just be shocked if Condit McGee is um, who I thought was slated as the main on the prelims is not on the main card to. Uh, concede to Kyler Phillips. Pretty sure that's the, the featured prelim, oh, man. Yeah, that blows my mind. Okay, well, keep talk. talk tell me about Kyle. We're gonna the, we're gonna have to cover all these anyway. So, well, yeah, I mean, to your point, um, Cameron's a late notice fighter, um, so that always presents a problem, especially in these um, international or apex type fights. You know, the the lights. You know, this granted doesn't have the smaller cage, but you're gonna have a guy that's gonna brawl. He's gonna know he has a little bit of a gas tank, or I mean, sorry, little less than a gas tank. I think that when you look at Kyler Phillips, you have to look at the grappling department. You know, Cameron has zero grappling. Kyler's got a little bit of grappling there, but he's also got a much better striking. So overall, the reason the line's set that way is because functionality-wise, technique-wise, everything fares in the side of Kyler for, on this fight. Okay, fair enough. So listen, I'm, I'm just going to take it as the bout order that I got. You know, That's cool. uh, chat says something different. You're saying something different. I'm just going by the bout order and what I see it at. Um, all the same, they usually put five cards on a, on or five fights on a main card. And right now, you know, the different outlets have it uh, with Kyler Phillips on there, and others have it at a four fight main card. So I don't really know what to do with that. All that to say, Kyler Phillips is must watch TV. Um, they call him the Matrix for a reason, and this fight is definitely going to be can't miss television regardless of whether it's main or prelim this guy's going to come out and he's going to put on a show if cameron elsie does not come out and you know really fight conservatively and try to get kyler phillips i don't even know where he can win this fight to be honest with yeah. you if he yeah. takes it down phillips is going to sub him and if he yeah. stays standing he's just going to be too creative he's literally going to have to figure something else out i'm thinking over over under on um one and a half i don't know does everything in his ability to get like an illegal knee to the head or something. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe a submission play or something like that. I'm really not sure uh, what to do with that. So yeah. all the same, you know, for the sake of me versus you, I'm going to take Phillips uh, outright. As far as betting goes, I'm probably going to stay away from this fight, maybe under one and a half if I'm yeah. feeling froggy. Ooh, yeah. No need to feel froggy for this. Okay. All right. First female fight that we're going to cover for the night. Not the first one on the card, but the first one we're going to cover. The Iron Lady, Jermaine Durandamy at nine and four. 
taken on Juliana Pena, the Venezuelan vixen, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? The Venezuelan vixen. vixen. Julia, I believe that's what she goes by, man. Exactly. Even though she, even though she's a mom now, she's still going by the vixen. Uh, Durandamy, like I said, is coming in at nine and four minus one forty. Pena. Uh, sitting at the plus 110, despite a professional record of 9-3. and three. I feel like Durandamy's been around for a long time to only have a 9-4 and four record. It's insane. Yeah. that I, I was shocked when you just said that. Yeah. Well, I think it's her, her extensive kickboxing record yeah. um, that really you know shines a light and makes it seem like she's been around for a lot longer than she actually has. Here's the thing, though. This is a tale of two conflicting styles. We are going to have grappler versus striker. And can Pena... Can she implement that that grappling background to get this into a nitty gritty clinch, drag her down, ground and pound style fight? If she can't, bro, it's going to get ugly and get ugly in a hurry for Juliana Pena, who admittedly seems like a nice person, but she fights incredibly stiff. <laughs> yeah, I think there is this like ridiculous argument out there that GDR is is so susceptible to grappling like that's the the path to victory but people are basing that premise on one thing and that's the way that amanda nunez fought her and grappled her to death but amanda nunez versus an aspen lad a juliana pena any any type of like grappling type person it, you can't put them in the same like hemisphere so i kind of want to omit that i actually think that gdr actually has decent takedown defense um, I think we haven't been able to see it enough just because her kickboxing and stand-up is so much greater than other people's that she's allowed to create distance. She's allowed to utilize that footwork. She's allowed to make sure that she stays where she feels most comfortable. Penny is smart though. She's not going to Paulo Costa this thing. She's not going to try and, you know, stand up and throw hands. She's literally going to shoot. You're going to see her shoot for a double, a single. She's going to do whatever she can. She'll take as much punishment as she can to keep this up against the cage, try and get her butt down on the mat and try and get in half guard and just land some elbows and try and win this thing, some ground and pound. She's going to, she's yeah. going to bull rush. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. She's no, going right. to, she's going to bull rush her. It's not going to be, she's not going to play cute about it. She's not going to test it on the feet first. It she's, I would not be surprised if she shoots for an ankle from damn near the logo to try to get a hold of GDR. I really would not be surprised by that at like all. That. And, and, and you're absolutely right in your assessment of the, you know, the, the Amanda Nunez fight. The thing with that is, is that GDR wasn't that she was doing poorly on the ground. She was just conceding the position. Yeah. She was just okay with being on the ground. And that was the thing is that there was no urgency with her from the ground. She was just okay with being there. And that was the thing is like, try to try to stand up, but she was just okay to continue to try to work on the ground, not take a lot of punishment, just in hopes that she would, you know, get the stand up as opposed to actively working from a disadvantageous position. Now with Juliana Pena, I don't believe that she's going to take that same passive approach because Juliana does not possess the, um, the, the power, right? She doesn't, she doesn't command the same respect that Amanda Nunez does. So I think GDR goes out there and I think she, you know, I don't want to say she toys with her, but I definitely think she's going to come out there and she's going to be aggressive. I think that we're going to see good takedown defense. I think if she does get taken down, we're going to see a lot more activity out of her than yeah. we saw in the Amanda Nunes fight. I think she gets it done. I'm taking GDR over Pena here. Yeah, I think her takedown defense is going to be uh, stellar that night. And I say that because we're also forgetting the Raquel Pennington fight. Raquel Pennington tried valiantly to take GDR down. Couldn't get it done. I like GDR in this fight. You're switching thing. You're switching stuff up on me. That's right. the only one I switched. For those that are listening, I'm about to go on a fucking tear. So get ready, strap up. Let's go, dude. 
My picks are so locked this week. As as many people think this card's a sleeper card, dude. This is the this is the one that I'm gonna freaking pay my mortgage off, dude. This is the one. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I I, I appreciate your gusto here. All right, co-main event <laughs> of the evening, Jorgen De Castro minus two sixty five. Taking on Carlos Felipe at eight and one. Both these guys coming off a loss and getting a co-main event spot, which is wild to me. I don't understand this. Uh, with all of the, the, you know, there's a handful of other fights on this card that I think would make better co-main events than this. But Jorgen De Castro six and one, Carlos Felipe eight and one. De Castro minus two sixty-five. Felipe plus two ten. Over under on rounds at a heavyweight fight is at one and a half. Trey, I will let you go first here because uh, I w- I honestly want to hear what you have to make this fight exciting to me. Oh, woof, dude. This fight is so ugly. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, man. man. We're really yeah. selling it. We're really selling that. I know, but I say that because actually, if you like old school, like gladiator type, like in Coliseum, you know, thumb up, thumb down fight, that's what this is. You have two guys that present one thing, and that's knockout power. Mm. They don't have the body type mm. to keep the, to get, make this go the distance. These both mm. guys came in with cheeseburger and beer diets, 1000%. Followed my diet plan. But they're going to come in. They're going to swing for the fence. I actually – I find this fight really funny. People are going to look at uh, at uh, Philippe as this guy that's going to be the aggressor. And I do think that he's going to be able to walk forward much quicker um, at the beginning. He He's a tendency to lean forward with his head, uh, kind of you know be that forward-leading guy. Um, I just – I think that he's taking a backseat. I don't think he's going to be – as forward pressuring as he used to be. And I say that because he did get, this was back in 2017, he did get flagged by USADA uh, for tainted supplements. And mm-hmm. we all knew that was not, I don't think it was EPO, but it was definitely some type of like energy type supplement. He said it was fat burns, which is so funny because if you look at the dude's body, it's like, dude, okay, if that's a fat burning supplement you're on, that company needs to go out of business like today. You're big on the body shaming, man. God. Dude, I am body shaming on these guys because you know what? To be a world-class athlete in the heavyweight division, we've seen the heavyweight athletes and what a body type is and what a professional looks like. These guys, there's a reason that it's set at one and a half. One, because they don't have the cardio to go the distance. And two, these guys have one trick and one trick only, and that is an overhand right that could put a death stamp on that person's face. I think that we've seen with Jorgen DeCastro, both in the Greg Hardy fight, um, as well as I'm blanking on the one right before that, but um, – We've seen him uh, with great counters and uh, be a little bit more technical with his striking than this overhanding right that we see with Carlos. All right, so the, the fight before Greg Hardy was Justin Taffa, mm-hmm. uh, but here's here's my right, thing, where he right? Countered him, yeah, right. And I have I have a bone to pick with Jorgen DeCastro Ooh. because well, here's the thing: is you fought Greg Hardy, which admittedly is, as you know, like one of my bucket list things that I would love to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. You squandered a perfectly good opportunity um, to put hands. <laughs> you put you squandered a good opportunity, a great opportunity to put hands on a guy. You you completely um, shit the bed on that. So I'm mad because he started out the fight doing exactly what he needed to do, um, you know, and then just completely abandoned his game plan. He completely abandoned it, which is nonsense. Um, Anyway, I like under one and a half here. I'm going to take the Castro, but I like the under one and a half. I know that this is three fights in a row where I'm thinking of a play of the under one and a half might work, but I really think that, um, you know, or three out of the four rather where I think one and a half might work, but it's heavyweights seven and a half minutes against a guy against guys with no cardio and that hit hard. um, Both of which are trying to erase 
the idea of, of a recent loss and get them, get it out of the, the psyche in a co-main event spot. Plus it's going to be hot. You know, it's so hot there. They're coming out sweaty, gassed already. It's going to get ugly. One and a half uh, is, is what I'm betting. There is the under one and a half. And I'm going to take De Castro for the sake of me versus you. You went to Castro or Philippe? Dude, you just painted this picture of that Abu Dhabi humidity, just beads of sweat running down those oh, bellies, dude, headed into the cage. Woo! That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> All right, man. Whatever you say, dude. Whatever you say. All right, let's get let's get the main event of the evening. Speaking of hot, uh, Holly Holm minus one twenty five taking on Irene Aldana at minus one oh five. Over under on rounds here. Trey is at. Uh, Four and a half. Holly Holm, 13 and five as a professional. Irene Aldana at 12 and five. Nearly identical records, nearly identical height, nearly identical reach. Um, This is about as close to a mirror physicality wise as you're going to get. However, um, you've got all of Holly Holm's losses minus one that came in title fights. So outside of title fights, with the exception of one, she's damn near undefeated. So in a fight like this where she's taken on Irene Aldana and it is not a title fight, I, I don't I just don't know how you go against Holly Holm here, despite the fact that she's a head case. Um, yeah. despite the fact that she's shown a steady decline. It hasn't been it hasn't been steep, but it has been steady. Um, how do you not bet on Holly Holm here at minus one twenty five? That seems like easy money to me, ma'am. Ah, man, dude, I, I think that's one thing that you touched upon. And there's another fight coming up that I'm going to talk about a little bit of mentality. But for Holly Holm, she is someone that right prior to the fight, you've never seen a person more scared. And fighters have been very outwardly. Um, they, they've said like Cowboy Cerrone is the perfect example of that. He said, I get so many jitters inside the locker room before I head out that I feel like I'm going to throw up. Holly Holm is that times 50. She is so worried about every single fight. And as much as she puts this narrative out there that, Oh, I know. Um, we remember the yesteryear of when I head kicked Ronda Rousey back in 2015, mind you. Mm-hmm. Ever since that, to live up to the hype, to the beat the greatest of all time, to live at the top of the mountain, it has been a steady decline. But we haven't seen, from a mental perspective, her get back to where she needs to be. And that's a hard road, especially with this weight of like getting a shot against someone who owns the, owns the crown right now that she lost to in 2019 in Amanda Nunes. That's a lot of burden to wear on your shoulders. I think that an interesting cat, though, is Irene Aldana. She comes in. She's really multifaceted. She's a great, well-rounded fighter. She's got a ground game that Holly Holm does not have. Um, Hmm. I think the UFC is doing everything in their mind. They're praying to the gods that Irene wins this fight. She's marketable. She's good-looking. They need a Mexican champ. They want to bring back to what's the Cain Velasquez-type era. This is a big fight for Irene, and I think the UFC has got every fingernail crossed on the planet to get this thing done. I agree with you. The problem is she's got a buzzsaw on Amanda Nunes waiting for her, even if she does get through. Oh, yeah. uh, and I do sure. want to correct myself here. Holly Holm has only lost in title fights. Oh. So she's undefeated in non-title fights. I had to fact check myself real quick because it didn't feel right when I said it. So. Hmm. Still doesn't change my 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 plan here. You're still going Aldana. I am still going Aldana. Okay. Are we? we, You really think she's going to beat Holly Holm over the course of 25 minutes? I do. I mean, if you saw her last fight in Holly Holm, the Raquel Pennington fight, do I think Raquel Pennington's better than Aldana? Absolutely not. And what did she do? It was the most boring snorefest fight on the planet. They clinched for all 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was up against the cage, like. 
I'm sorry, but the more dynamic Aldana is, is going to huge pose a huge problem for Holly Hunt. Okay. Can you cite one thing that Aldana has done that makes you like legitimately believe that she's going to beat or be able to implement that one thing against Holly Holm? Honestly, I could see her knocking her out. And the reason I say that is Caitlin Vieira is we just saw her last week. She's she's an absolute stud. She's a strong, she's a big girl, much bigger than Holly Holm is. You're knocking out Caitlin Vieira. I think that you possess the power. You're going to have the vulnerabilities. I think the threat and the feints of bringing this thing to the ground is going to open up a boxer or world-class striker up a little much, which is going to leave vulnerability, and boom, game over. You know Holly Holmes, an 18-time world champion at boxing, right? Uh, what was that, in the fucking 90s? You know that Holly Holmes <laughs> an 18-time world champion in boxing, right? You know that she's she's got over 50 professional kickboxing fights, right? you realize that she was a former bantamweight champion has only fought in either the number one contender or title fights. Right. Yeah. You know, Irene Aldana prior to knocking out Ketlin Vieira was a curtain jerker, mm. barely opening up cards. And now because mm. of, uh, of beating Ketlin Vieira in a ravaged, a ravaged women's bantamweight division where nobody wants to be because they're terrified of Amanda Nunes. She is now thrust into the, a potential number one contender spot against Holly Holm, not because she's deserved it, but because there's no one left. She's literally, this is a war of attrition. She has outlasted, outstruck, and outwomaned anyone else to f- get this fight with Holly Holm. That's it, because Holly Holm's beaten everybody else. She's be- she's cleared out the division with the exception of the champion. I love you, dude. I lo- listen, I love you. I just don't understand how she gets it done. I ho- Listen, it, I will eat crow, right? I'll eat yeah. crow right on, on next week's episode if you're right here and Aldana knocks out Holly Holm. But goodness gracious, if you would have said submission, maybe. If you would have said decision, maybe. But holy shit, a knockout, man. Wow, that's 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 a tall order. I hope I mean, maybe she's up to task. I hope for the sake of viewership, she is up to the task because – I, I wanted to touch on Diego Sanchez and I'm going to, I'm going to use this segment as a, from a Holly Holm to transition to this because yeah. she trains out of Jackson wink. Um, yeah. So here's the thing is Diego. A lot of people gave Diego a lot of crap this last week, right? Um, yeah. Primarily because of the way that he behaved inside the octagon and everything else because of the school self-awareness, Joshua Fabia, all this stuff. I will say this about Diego is he is the perfect student. He's what you want as a coach because you can see clearly that Diego is molded and follows the instructions implicitly of the coach in the corner. Even when it causes him to lose a fight, he does that. So when we see a guy like Diego who trains out of Jackson Wink or when he trained out of Jackson Wink and had the guys like Mike Winklejohn and Greg Jackson in his corner, Diego was a title challenger. Diego was the nightmare. Diego was the wrecker of worlds, the eater of souls. That was Diego Sanchez. He left them. Now we see what's going on. My point is, in saying all this, 10,000 words where 10 will do, is that Holly Holm is of the same mold and makeup as Diego Sanchez. She's yeah. been, she has been with Winklejohn for forever. If Winklejohn tells her to do something, she will do it and execute it flawlessly, even if it means that she's getting hurt. The game plan that she implemented in the Raquel Pennington fight was exactly what they asked her to do. 
they told her to hold Hall or hold Raquel up against the cage because Raquel was not trying to advance the position. They literally told her what to do. She did it. She won the fight. They will be prepared for anything Irene Aldana brings to the cage on Saturday night. Anything. I don't, I, I don't agree with that parallel. I agree majority of the parallel, but the one that I don't agree with is the J- the Jackson Wink coachable moment for Diego Sanchez. He was not coachable during at, at Jackson Wink by any means. He was just a more advancing fighter. Do you think that like in the Clay Guida fight that they said, oh, go fucking bull rush him and just see what you can do? No, absolutely not. They gave him a plan. He threw it out the fucking window. He was just more aggressive. He was in much better shape. We saw Diego coming in this most recent fight. He was fat. He was out of shape. He didn't know how to engage. That first flying knee threw in the first five seconds. Ben Askren said it perfectly. I think I could have dodged that one. Um, there's just he he's not the same fighter, he's not the same mentality. He's soft. He's soft mentally, he's soft physically, he's he's now coachable. But that's because he's got this freaking voodoo child behind him that's telling him that, hey, if you keep the distance, you might go to the spiritual world or whatever fucking shit he's saying. And this is why he blocked you, because you're talking so negatively about talking. <laughs> that's why you're blocked. I, I thought I was being nice, actually. Yeah, you're, you're really toning it down. You were toning it down. Yeah. Well, here's my thing, man. If it's I wanted to say something mean. <laughs> right. For the sake of parody here, I, I think that, you know, Aldana knocking out Holly Holm is the most unlikely of outcomes. Um, the betting public would probably agree with that. And I think Vegas, once the odds come out on this after way, and I think Irene Aldana by knockout will sit somewhere north of plus 1,000. I, I really do not believe. Eh, maybe 1,000 is pretty th- North of plus 700, Aldana by knockout. plus one. It's got to be north of plus 700. Has to be. I like it. And the only reason I say that is, is Dale, if you do go to the ground, you're going to end up sitting in like a half guard position. You're going to be utilizing your elbows. You're going to try and make it dirty just to make sure she doesn't get out. Why, why can a TKO not happen from the bottom like that? I'm not I, saying I, it can't happen, but you're talking about a woman that literally because she's an 18 time world, world champion boxer, because she's a world champion kickboxer, because she's been a champion in every organization she's ever fought in and her, attack is primarily focused around her hands and her kicks. Do you not think that Holly Holm is just the slightest bit adept at stuffing takedowns? Does Irene Aldana somehow bring to the table something that some that that Holly Holm has not seen legitimately? How does how do you make the argument that she's going to bring in and switch something up? The only chance that she has is Holly Holm making mental errors because she has mental I don't say she has mental issues. That's not fair to say, but because she struggled with mentality and fight execution at times, um, motivation, if you will, she, she is subject to making mistakes, but listen, it's me versus you. This is one we differ on best of luck to you on Saturday night. I wouldn't touch your play, but that's your play and not mine. So, (laughs) all right. Let's keep things. Let's let's start at the beginning like we normally do. We'll work our way through these prelims. Jessen Ari taking on Luigi Vendramini. Uh, this fight is at a pick'em tray, and it thus begins the long, arduous haul of over unders at two and a half. These guys are incredibly inactive as fighters. Um, I'm not even sure where they found both of them. They probably just sent them letters to their nine to five jobs and asked them if they wanted to fight. Uh, Jessen Ari at sixteen and five. Luigi Vendramini at eight and one. You know, do your worst here. I, what, what, what do you got? It's a pick'em. What do you think? 
I think that if you were to look at this, I think Luigi is someone you imagine he's just on weed. He's super mellow. He's super relaxed versus Jessen is on cocaine. The guy is psycho. When you actually watch his fights, yes, he's inactive, but he moves in and out so quickly. He moves laterally so quickly. He's got actually decent jiu-jitsu. He's got heavy hands, but he's just he's just so hyperactive. Um, it's like you almost want to be like calm down. I think Luigi's going to be in a little bit more methodical and kind of think about his shots and a little bit more technical. But I think with that onslaught of just insane bright lights and everything like that, I could see Jessen getting this done quickly. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at an Ari that's that's fought two times in the last three and a half years, and Luigi's fought once in the last two and a half. These guys are incredibly yeah. inactive. Both of them, if I'm not mistaken, are coming off losses. Ari to Stevie Ray, and then Vendramini, I believe, was slept by uh, Easy Dos Santos, who will be on uh, next week's card. So, you know, here's the thing, right? Is with this fight, it's it's, it's a pick 'em for a reason. If you look at who's faced the better competition, Ari's Ari has fought the better competition. He's got a yeah. loss to Darren Till on his record. He's got a loss to Stevie Ray. Uh, Vendramini has a loss to Easy Dos Santos, but that's it. Outside of that, it's been largely regional. You know. Uh, regional competition. I don't necessarily know that he's he he's up to the task as far as the UFC is concerned. And he's Brazilian. He's coming over. He's fighting in Fight Island, which we've seen that the Brazilians do not fare particularly well there. And he's taken on yeah. a Caucasus Mountain Warrior straight from Georgia himself, Jessen Ari. I'm gonna take Ari here, but it's it's a very loose play here. Like people listening to the show and be like, oh, I'm you know. Dale or whatever said Ari, I'm betting him. Yeah, I say this with an asterisk beside it. This is a pick em fight against guys that realistically don't do this for a living because they don't fight frequently enough to make enough money to do this for a living. You've got weekend warriors here that are fighting. Uh, I'm I'm not advocating betting your money on this. I'm literally picking Ari because of a, the competition between me and you. Yep. I want to be totally abundantly fair. clear about that. Okay. I'm just, I, I know that sounds weird, but I'm just being abundantly clear. All right. That's fair. Next fight, I am I am betting on this fight though. Casey Kenny <laughs> taking on uh, Halai Alatang or Alatang at plus two sixty. Kenny at a minus three ten. Over under on rounds is at two and a half. I'm going to kick this one off, Trey. I'm going Casey Kenny here at fourteen and two. I or um, yeah, at fourteen and two. I like him in this fight. He's got a penchant for finishing fights. He has shown himself to be aggressive, uh, and he knows that. Eyes were on him when he came to the UFC, and they have since waned a little bit. He doesn't necessarily have the shine that they thought he was going to have when he came over. And they're, they've got him buried on a card where, realistically, this should be an opportunity for him. He should be much higher up, but he hasn't had the performances that we've come to expect out of him inside the UFC. He has got to make a, he has got to make a statement here, and Alatang is the type of person to give him the opportunity to make that statement. I am betting on the over-under at under two and a half here, and I'm taking Kenny for the sake of me versus you. Uh, so under two and a half is what you're taking? I'm taking under two and a half. By, and what do you think that's going to happen by sub? I don't know. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not pigeonholing myself into that. I just like – I think under two and a half is it like plus – let me look at it real quick because now you're calling me out on it, which means you think you've got something on me. No, uh, no, no I'm just curious. No, because I think – Casey Kenny's got great jiu-jitsu, so I would, I would fare that'd be a plus one sixty is the under two and a half. Okay, yeah, Altang's no no slouch though. Um, you know we saw him have a decisive win over Ryan Benoit. Notice how I didn't say Benoit, um, but Ryan Benoit that was a legit fight. Um, I like both these fighters, um, but I do think Casey Kenny, outside of having just being more well-rounded, the fighters that he's fought, the Manny Bermudez's, the Brandon Roy Val, which by the way I know you segmented or segued from. 
Diego back to last week. I'm going to segue real quick to Brandon Royval. Guys, put a note, put a flyer, put a bookmark on Brandon Royval. That guy is legit. There's a reason he quit his day job right before this past fight and, and now is full-time. He is a reckon in the flightway division. This is a no-joke guy. When you're going for an omoplata in the cage, how many omoplatas are there, Brandon? There's one? Yeah, I think it was it was Ben was it Ben Saunders that did it? That sounds right. But I mean, to to lock down an omoplata in a cage, to cinch that glove, it's near impossible. And not only did that, I think almost people were saying it was like a go-go plot. It had that feet under the chin. It did Whatever. look like a go-go. Yeah, it's insane. I think with Casey Kenny getting these looks, like the Manny Bermudas is like I said, I think the Ray Borgs that he's fought, he's fought the better competition. To your point, I could see this being under two and a half for sure. Could this be on the ground? Absolutely. Casey Kenny's gonna get this thing done. All right, you're taking Casey Kenny here. All right. Yep. Moving on, Jin Yu Frey, nine and five, taking on Loma Luke Moonmi at four and two. I believe this is where our paths diverge in a wood, and I will take the one less traveled. Uh, oh, Robert frosted me there. <laughs> I did. I did. It's because my picks are, no, nah, I don't want to say my picks are ice cold because that would be counterproductive to what we're doing here. Uh, but Luke Moonmi at a minus 140, Jin Yu Frey at a plus 110 over under on rounds is at two and a half. I went first last time. As you are, as you were, sir. This is a tough one. One, like we always have to put the asterisks before women's fights. <laughs> women's <laughs> fights in the UFC are a coin flip. I will say this though, uh, Loma. I'm not even going to pronounce her last name because I'm going to butcher the shit out of it. I just told Actually, you what it was. It's Luke Boonme. Luke Boonme. Yeah, Luke Boonme. No way. It's got like 30 letters in it. It's not that short, dude. It literally. I mean, okay. Okay. Well, no. I mean, if Luke Boonme. Luke Boume, I would tie fighters. I always like to sign the in the way of tie fighters in women's fights. And I say that because the output from Muay Thai perspective is always so much greater than any type of conservative mixed martial arts. Thai fighting is in your face, high output, high volume. I think that um Frey's probably got a little bit, you know, more ground game with her, which you know Loma's got to look out for. But I think the output, the outpointing. We know these things are going to decision. There's no way it's not going to go to decision. If the over is 100% at two and a half, I think an over plays the safest thing on the planet. But if you want to fare for what's going to be a dog in this fight, I would actually, it's not a dog, is it? No. no. Minus no. 140. Well, Vegas knows sees what I see. There you go. Oh, so now we're likening ourselves to the pros in Vegas. Uh, just um, call me a sharp, dude. Just call you, me you, a sharp. Are, you are in rare form today. I'm taking Jin Yu Frey here, man. Invicta champ. She's bigger. She's stronger. Mm. She's more well-rounded. Um, I don't think that her hands are going to be as good as Loma's. Um, you know, most people that have a name like Loma, uh, they're, you know, they have good hands, as you're aware. Uh, but look, here's the thing, man. Uh, see what I did there. We did a little cross. Uh, yeah. Um, Look, man, I, I just I really believe that Jin Yu Frey's got it has it has it in her, man. Uh, she's bigger, she's stronger, she's going to impose herself physically. If Luke Boomy cannot, you know, go out and turn this into a traditional Thai style fight, she doesn't have any. She doesn't have a plan B. She does not have a plan C. She yeah. has it has to be a stand up war, or she's gonna lose the fight. And I yeah. think Jin Yu Frey is smart enough to go. I'm not gonna stand there and do this with you. I don't know if you saw her or have seen her on Instagram lately, but she's got freaking tickets to the gun show, like raffle tickets. She's just throwing them things out there. She looks jacked for this fight. This line will move. 
talking about putting feathers, pins, bookmarks, whatever. This line will move after weigh-ins when people see the shape that Jin Yufre is in. It, it will move. It will be – I would be surprised if it flip-flops entirely. So Ooh. Wednesday morning, Frey, plus 110. Wow, okay. I like it. Good. I'm jacked. glad you liked it. I'm jacked. She is jacked, man. She is absolutely jacked. I, I would not want to arm wrestle her. Um, <laughs> all right. Next fight on the card, moving through these prelims here, UFC Fight Island, home versus uh, Aldana. We've got – not man, the, you know what? I pride myself in being go. decent with names, right? <laughs> this one's really bad. Oh, man. I'm going to go with Nusruddin Imovov. Wow. Okay. Taking on, take on a, uh, here's, a, this, is, this one's for you, Jordan Williams. Nusardine uh, Imovov <laughs> sitting at eight and two, taking on Jordan Williams, nine and three. Williams at a minus 140. Imovov at a plus 110 over under on rounds. Trey, guess what? <clears throat> two and a half. So, how do you feel here? Well, I wouldn't have even said Nusardine, dude. I just would have just said the Russian sniper. There's a, <laughs> it's literally the perfect nickname for this dude. If you look at this guy, he looks like the type of guy that's like, uh, literally asking his dad to join the family business. And the first like thing is like, go put a hit on this guy. And he doesn't even fucking blink. The guy is <laughs> no joke. You know, he's Williams, <laughs> Williams, though, we saw the guy on Dana White contender series. He's legit. Uh, he's a bit of a psycho forward pressure. He's not afraid to get hit. I'm going to go with Williams just purely on aggression. I think that while Nasser Dean is probably the safer choice in this um, because I think his striking is a little bit more procured and a little bit more precise. Williams is a freaking beast, dude. This guy is psycho. You look at his tattoo alone, what he's got two weights on both sides of devil horns, like weighing mm -hmm. himself out. Mm -hmm. Guy's no joke, man. Yeah. 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 Uh... Look, here's the thing, right? And you, 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 I love how you you talked about his looks because I was going to say he has those dark shark eyes um, yeah. where you can't really see whether or not he has like any sort of uh, pupil or cornea. It's just straight shark eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's straight death when that guy's looking at you. I'm taking Imovov here for that exact reason. He's going to be the bigger fighter on fight night. He walks around at six three, uh, and that's really big at 170 pounds. He is a sniper. You know the hands don't lie. Um, Jordan Williams is going to have to come out and be aggressive. He's going to have to figure out a way to get inside of that long reach, and he's going to have to figure out a way to hurt Imovov. Uh, in the process of doing that, though, I'm afraid he's going to run into you know that sniper shot on the way in. Yeah. And possibly get slept, but Williams has got to come in and impose his will. I know that we say that it sounds like a cliche thing to do, but very often we see fighters get into a cage and they're willing to engage in the other person's style and they can never find their own rhythm. Williams cannot afford to do this in do that in this fight. Minus 140, he's a slight favorite. Again, another fight that I see that might get closer at weigh-ins, probably closer to a pick on. Uh, Imovov plus 110. I like him at that. I also like the over-under on rounds. I like the under two and a half um, as well. That we, statistically, just statistically speaking, we're going to see more finishes than Vegas is giving us credit for here. And we've got to find guys and girls that have knockout power. And Imovov is one of them. And I think that this is a good fight to possibly pursue that avenue. Uh, but I will say um, that this is, you know, I, I'm at least taking Imovov at plus 110. I'll debate on the over-under at two and a half. But let's keep things moving. Josh Calibo at eight and one, taking on Charles Air Jordan. Jordan, as you know, has all the hype behind him right now. Trey at 10 and three, taking on Calibo at eight and one. Jordan, the biggest favorite on the card tonight. 
at a minus 455, taking on Calabal at plus 350 over under on rounds. Again, two and a half, Trey. I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I think it's pretty easy unless you think Calabal is going to pull out some sort of weird upset. I think it's Jordan, and that's that's just really all I got to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I think people are sleeping a little bit on Josh, um, you know, based on his fight with Jalen Turner. I was super, super one-sided. I think, uh, you know, yeah, there's just no way that Charles Trudeau is going to lose this fight. This is this is the most lock of all locks, and I hate saying the L word. I know, I know, I just jinxed it. I just jinxed it. There's a reason it's at minus 455 right now. <laughs> um, I think this is a quick payday. Um, he's got more. He's got way more polish striking. I mean, Duho Choi understands that to the fullest extent. Um, I just, yeah, there's a reason the line said that way. Okay. All right. Feature prelim, man. Um, or at least what I think is the feature prelim. Apparently I have the bout or all screwed up, but featured prelim as far as I have it. Uh, Carlos Condit taking on Court McGee. This is probably the most split um, and confliction that you and I are going to see with each other. And I think people that have reached out and interacted to us prior to recording tonight this fight seems to be the one where everybody is kind of in the mix as far as, you know, they're invested in who's going to win it and they want to know how it's going to get done. But to be honest with you, this is the coin flip of coin flips here. McGee is a slight favorite over Carlos Condit, one-time interim title holder, and the over-under on rounds is at two and a half. Um, you and I are sitting on opposite side of the fence here, but I think we're doing it for two completely different reasons. I'll let you go first, though. Yeah, and I'm not going to play the inactive card. I mean, uh, obviously, we know both of them have been inactive. Condit's last win, you got to go all the way back to 2015. McGee, you got to go back to 2018. McGee's one in four in his last five fights. So you'd have to think, well, gosh, are we going to remember Carlos Condit, much like I was talking about with Holly Holm? Are we going to remember the Carlos Condit of the yesteryear? Are we going to see him in that Lawler type sphere? I just don't see it. I mean, he seems so happy, just, you know, pouring his coffee and expanding the coffee shop. Maybe he needs a quick payday, needs a fight, fight the night bonus, get that 50K, expand that shop. But McGee is known to be a grinder. We've seen that throughout his whole career. And I think with people with long layoffs, why wouldn't you want to fare with a guy that's going to grind, who's going to be a more pressure-heavy person? When you look at Carlos Conant, the only path to victory is via his aggressive striking, his elbows and his knees. And I just don't think Court McGee is going to allow that space to happen. He's going to close the distance quickly. And I'd rather fare with the person that's a grinder in a long layoff fight like this. Yeah, Court McGee hasn't had a finish in 10 years as far a finish as a result for a win. Um, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I think Vegas has a uh, – this is one of the fights where Vegas sort of clearly paints on the road where, what they think is going to happen. The over-under on rounds, obviously, is it a – is at two and a half, but the over two and a half is at a minus two thirty-five. So they're they're literally telling you who they think is the favorite to win the fight and how they think it's going to happen. Court McGee by decision, if you're betting, is probably the closest you're going to get to a really actionable line. I don't have that yet. It's not out, but it's probably going to sit somewhere around the plus two hundred range. Um, you know, plus 250, 300 for Court McGee by decision. That's probably going to be your most actionable line in this fight because it's most likely to happen. Got to be Court McGee, got to be by decision. However, I am going to go against what I normally do. I'm going to bet with my heart on this one, and I'm going to take a flyer on Carlos Condit. He has lost five in a row, one of which was uh, the Michael Chiesa shoulder weird submission thing. And the other one being a torn ACL in the middle of a fight. Yeah. So I'm going with two losses, two legit losses, or I'm sorry, three legit losses and two injury, 
losses due to injury. Um, my heart breaks for Carlos because I feel like Carlos beat Robbie Lawler back in the day. Um, I think he was robbed when people, when we talk and sit on robberies in MMA, um, you know, look, I, uh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah. You know, I, I think he should have won that. So yeah. anyway, um, it is one of those things, man, where I'm, I'm just going to take a flyer on Carlos here. Uh, I, maybe he'll summon it one more time against a guy like Court McGee. Realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. I think McGee's going to grind him out, like you said, but it's, it's hard, man. WEC dudes, you know what I mean? It's really hard to, yeah, it's hard to not bet with your heart with those, with those guys. I, I, I'm fully acknowledging that this is a play from the heart, not from the head. Um, and I'll go, uh, you know, Court McGee's probably the like the obvious play here, but I'm going Carlos. I'm going to go with Carlos Condit for the sake of me versus you. Yeah, that's totally cool. Um, you get, you talk shit about me utilizing the L word and locks. I'm going to talk shit about you utilizing your heart. I'm a heartless son of a bitch when it comes to pain, bills, <laughs> as should you be. But hey, I do have a soft spot for WEC guys. It's a fair argument, fair point. And Carlos can 1000% get this thing done. We'll just have to see what happens. Over under, over under on amount of times that they talk about Court McGee having substance abuse issues. What do you think? Two? Three? Two, two seems pretty level. Yeah, for sure. Two. I'm going to go with two. They're going to mention it twice. They're going to mention it at least twice. All right. Let's yeah. re, let's recap our plays here, uh, and then we'll give away uh, – we'll, well, well, go ahead. Well, what do you got? Is the Tom Breeze-Roman Kopilov fight, did that get – did that get mixed? I don't see it. I, You know what? That's the thing is I didn't see it on the bout order anywhere today. So okay. I don't know if it got dropped or not. Um, okay. You know. If Okay. If, if it got dropped, yeah. Okay. I could see it actually getting dropped. I just I didn't see it anywhere. So it's not on any bout order that I can see anywhere. Um, okay. No so, so, so if you guys have plays or if that card actually or that fight comes to fruition on this card, just DM us. We'll give you uh, what the Beards plays as well as the uh, – Oh, it's Breeze. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Breeze. If, if it shows up, um, you know, I'm taking see, Breeze if it shows see, up. I'm not. I'm taking Kopilov in that fight. Perfect. So if it shows – I say that for a bunch of different reasons that I have my whole narrative ready to go for that. But, again, if that fight's not on – Fucking go. Do it and Go. Don't. Tom Breeze is a great, he's a great high level prospect, but the dude's a freaking head case. And this is what I was talking about earlier. There's certain fighters that literally get so far in their head. Tom Breeze is he's backed out of fights because of panic attacks. That's not a joke. Like literally he has outwardly said, I've had to bail fights because I've had a panic attack. Okay. Okay. He's had a bunch of injuries. He hasn't fought since 2016. I mean, yes, he's lost. He lost to high prospects like Brendan Allen. But the thing is, Kopalov is a bomb throwing rush and the guy's eight. No, he comes in with a ton of speed. Um, you know, hesitancy meet for me in these type of fights is a big deal. And I think Tom Breeze, who's had a big layoff, who's a little bit weary to get back in the cage, who has panic attacks, who's not mentally stable when it comes to commitment. Mm. I think that Kopalov with this onslaught and this forward pressure can't get it done. These are those type of fights where again, in a foreign country with no crowd, with nothing to lose, the bright lights, the aggressor is always going to have the chance in these type of fights. The apex is, a, is I think, a better degree or a better blueprint for that. But I do think it happens at Fight Island. Kopalov, who I believe is sitting as an underdog right now, I haven't checked the line on that. That's where my heart is. 
Yeah, like I said, when I was putting everything together for the broadcast, I did not see anything on that fight being anywhere. And then I looked on three different places because we had talked about it prior to recording. I looked at three different sources and I did not see that bout showing up anywhere. I don't know if it got moved or it hasn't been added to anything yet, but I'm going to go with Breeze uh, just based off of knockout power. That's really kind of it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where. I just I like his chances in dogfights. I really think that in, in equal exchanges when guys are sitting there throwing hands, I think Breeze has a decent enough chin. He's not afraid of blood and guts once you can actually get him into a fight. And I think he has the, you know, if, if Kopalov brings the fight to him, I think he can sort of knock Tom Breeze out of this mental uh, funk that you've, you know, eloquently placed said that he's in sometimes. And I think that's a fair point. I mean, we talked about with Holly Holm being a head case from time to time. So I get that. I understand it completely. I just think Tom Breeze, all things considered, is going to have the heavier hands. And you got two people wearing four-ounce gloves playing punch face. And when mutual combatants meet in the center of the octagon and agree to punch each other in the face, I'm going to take the guy that hits harder. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Tom Breeze here in that fight, should it actually show up and give us an actionable line. All right, let's review these real quick, and then let's give away some stuff. As we are known to do, we do have some things to give away, uh, either beer money or a T-shirt, and it'll be up to the winner as to decide what they want. All right, so let's run through these. Jessen Ayari or Luigi Vendramini? If you're ordering the entree, you're going Ayari. All right, Ayari it is. Alatang or Casey Kenny? Going Casey Kenny. All right, Luke Boonmi or – oh, I'm going Casey Kenny as well there. Sorry, Luke Boonmi yeah. or Jin Yu Frey? Luke Boonmi for me. I'm going Frey. Imovov or Jordan Williams? I'm going Imovov. I'm going to go Jordan Williams. All right. And Josh Kulabal, Charles Jordan. I'm taking Jordan. I'm taking Air Jordan as well. All right. Carlos Condit, Court McGee. I'm going Carlos Condit for the sake of our competition. <laughs> I'm going Court McGee for the sake of my wallet. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dusko Todorovic versus Daquan Townsend. I'm going Todorovic. Todorovic as well. All right. Kyler Phillips taking on Cameron Elsie. I'm taking Kyler Phillips. I'm taking Kyler Phillips. All right. GDR versus Juliana Pena. I'm taking GDR. I'm taking GDR. Jorgen DeCastro, Carlos Philippe. I'm taking Jorgen DeCastro and betting under one and a half. Ooh, I will replicate that exact thing. Okay. And then lastly, main event of the evening, Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. I am taking Holly Holm. I am going to take... Aldana inside the distance. <laughs> That's by knockout is what you said. <laughs> yeah. The hedge hedge. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. All right, man. Uh, let's go ahead and, and get this thing knocked out. 184 names, Trey. And listen, we had a late surge this afternoon of people sending us stuff, which I was super pumped about. Uh, people trying to get in on this. So are you ready? Let's give away some beer money. Do you want to do beer money and a t-shirt? Do you want to do a double giveaway? Hey, I've got the shirts ready to go right here. No worries. Butter blend cotton made in the USA. Got the badass Mike logo. Why don't we do this? And we stuff a little bit of cash in that front pocket. So we're doing a triple giveaway then? Yeah, dude. These are the sleeper cards, dude, where it's just fucking fireworks, man. Okay, so we're doing a we're doing a, a, a cash-laden t-shirt. Yeah. And beer money. Right. Yeah, cheap six-pack going in the front pocket right there. Okay, all right. So what am I drawing for first? Why don't we do the – let's do the big Let's do the big dog. Shirt and cash in the front pocket. Shirt and cash in the front pocket. All right, here we go. Ready? 
Oh, gosh. We'll ensure this package with UPS. All right, please do. All right. J Kearns 87. J K E A. I'm sorry. J K E A R N S 87. J Kearns 87. You are the t shirt with beer money in pocket. I love when you just throw this random shit at me and expect me to like adapt and overcome. Um, so J Kearns 87, shoot us a message on Instagram and we will gladly uh, get your information and get everything shipped over to you. Uh, if you want to follow us along or follow along with us on Instagram, Punchlist MMA, just about anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, you can email us at chat at Punchlist MMA. If you don't have any of those and you just merely listen to the show, um, you can reach out to us via email as well. So Jay Kearns, you've got until Saturday night, my man or my woe man, to claim your shit or we're going to give it to somebody else. All right. All right. And then beer money. Here we go. Beer money giveaway. Bum, 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 bum. We have a repeat winner. Do you want to do a repeat winner? No, no repeats. No, no repeats, dude. All right. All right. No repeats. No repeats. Spread the beer wealth to the masses. All right. Beer money winner is Gorilla Wrap. Beer wow. money winner is Gorilla Wrap. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's what's here's what's salty, right? And here's what here's what's going to be salty about this is that uh, with this <laughs> with with the with with the repeat winner is the repeat winner um, is actually in the chat right now. So I, I see the guy. I, uh, I see the repeat winner in the chat right now. So if you've uh, won beer money and you're in the chat, know that Trey is taking beer out of your belly right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There goes your. <laughs> tea time money <laughs> oh man all right so any parting thoughts before we put a bow on this bad boy uh i i do not i actually i don't have any man i had a great great fight night that was awesome the engagement we had from all that followed us on our social channels and reached out to us mid fight changing bets switching things up getting wild this is gonna be another night another awesome card guys this is one that on paper doesn't look like the most enticing but i'm telling you these are the ones that are the most fun guys that have had a long layoff guys that are prospects veterans coming in against the hungry prospects all the storylines are there it's just time to make a storyline that is cash in your guys's pocket yeah no you're absolutely right i do want to touch on one thing really quickly when it comes to cards like this is that bet conservatively right you Exactly like you said, you have a lot of people coming off long layoffs, yeah. bet conservatively. Uh, bankroll management is key. Shout out to people, like you said, that reached out to us and sort of followed along throughout the fights on Saturday night. By all means, hit us up. We're both manning the helm on Saturday nights, interacting with you guys, answering on-the-fly questions, hedge bets, everything like that. And then a continued shout out to the Run It Back podcast. They helped us out uh, the last couple weeks on short notice. Um, they've helped us out tremendously. If you guys are into uh, high production quality podcasts, I'm talking like Chris Pristine Editing, Run It Back Podcast is one of the best, if not the best MMA podcast out there when it comes to production quality and banter. Uh, just four Australian dudes absolutely yucking it up. Absolutely love them. Be sure to support their show. If you like ours, you'll love theirs. Um, so be sure to check them out. Shout out to our show sponsors, Stay Classy Meets and Allegiance. Best way to support the show is by supporting uh, them. Use our promo code, save yourself some money, get some fancy duds and some fancy meat. 
I had a rant I was going to go on, Trey, but admittedly, I don't have my water cup up here, so I'm feeling a little parched in the mouth area, and I'm not going to go on it. I'm going to save it for next week. Oh, that sucks, dude. That's that type of thing where someone walks up to you and says, I have something I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to choose to save it for later. It's mm, a good point. It's a good point. That's like saying I had a good dream, and then I don't want to tell you what the dream was. Yeah. It's like, why do you do that? That's cool. Right. No, I'll, that's all right. I'll do it. I'll do it. So um, real quick before we before we end, John Jones uh, felt the need to interject himself all over the Jan Blahovitz win, um, saying, you know, basically, would you guys mind if I went back down to 205 and, and handled some business and everything else? Either shit or get off the pot, right? Like literally decide whether or not you're a light heavyweight or if you're moving to heavyweight and just let it be. Um, you, you know, you a guy like John Jones has literally held up a division. I don't want to say he's held up a division, but he's been the president, if you will, of the light heavyweight division for the better part of 10 years now. Either you've moved on from it or you have not. What are we doing here? Yeah. So the moment a guy wins, don't soil his accomplishment by saying that you're going to come back down and do something about it real quick. You've already given it up. You've already decided you're going to heavyweight honor your commitment, honor your standing on what you said you were going to do and just leave it alone. Congratulate the guy and keep it moving. The moment that you're like, Hey, do you guys mind if I go back and grab this real quick? It, it, it was just, it's just nonsense. It's just absolutely nonsense. I can't stand it. It was, it was in poor taste, poor character. I was more pissed off about the John Jones tweet than I was Izzy dry humping Costa. Oh, and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't pissed at all. So yeah. I guess I mean easily. Is easily more pissed about the John Jones thing because I wasn't pissed at all about the uh, the Costa thing. So all right, parting shot, Trey. You got anything? No, just typical chirp, chirp. Always got to stay relevant. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for tuning in on the live stream. Hit us up on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Shoot us an email at punchlistmma or punch. Uh, punch. Oh my gosh! If I could freaking talk, chat at punchlistmma dot com and let's see this time next week next week we'll have a big announcement yeah absolutely all right order the entree order the, get the fuck out of here with that yeah.